I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're The Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome back to The Editing Podcast. So this week, we're going to chat about five things you can create for your website that demonstrate your competence as an editor or proofreader. So this is all about doing that thing you talk about in relation to fiction editing so often, Louise. Knowing when showing rather than telling makes a bigger impact. Nicely remembered, Cal. We'll <laughs> switch you to the dark side eventually. <laughs> I don't think so, Harmby. I'm having way too much fun editing ELT materials and business books. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I'm more than happy to borrow the lingo when it suits me. Appropriation, that's called. But actually, <laughs> you're welcome, because this concept is something that should be appropriated, because it works in fiction editing, non-fiction editing, and... Go on, say it. Marketing. <laughs> Editorial business marketing. And the kind we like best because it means no hard sales pitches, just a little bit of creative spirit. Exactly. So the first thing we're going to suggest you consider is a PDF booklet, something your visitor can download and read at their leisure. And that will, and this is important, solve a problem. Absolutely, yeah. Now, it's true that PDF downloads don't have the SEO benefits that web text does, and we'll talk about how to get around that in a minute, but something like this has a it has a physicality to it yeah, that web yeah. text doesn't. I think it feels more like a gift, like something a bit extra. I totally agree with that. And part of that might be because of the freedom you have to read it locally on your preferred device rather yeah. than having to be online. So we'll chat about what your booklet might be about in a minute. But here's a little bit of tech advice that takes accessibility for those using screen readers into account. So when you're creating your PDF, make sure you're creating the useful content in software that can be styled. So something like Word or InDesign. Definitely. And, and that's because using that software styles means text gets tagged in ways that help a screen reader app identify whether it's a list, a heading, body text, or an image after you've saved it as a PDF. Yeah, and, and there are lots of other things you can do to make sure a PDF is fully accessible, but that's a whole other topic. But using styles is a great first step. Um, I used to create all my booklets in Canva, but I'm just doing the covers in there now for exactly that reason. So, so are you converting all the old ones? Gradually. <laughs> oh, that's a job and a half. <laughs> yep. Just plodding through it as and when I have the time. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about what that booklet might be about. Yeah. So as Louise said before, a great booklet solves a problem that our potential clients might have. And in solving that problem for them, we're demonstrating our editorial knowledge. Yeah, so Denise offers a booklet called How to Prepare Your Non-Fiction Book for Editing, and I have one called How to Use Apostrophes in Fiction Writing, and we're both solving two very specific problems with those, and in the process, showing rather than telling what we know, and that we're engaged with our audience. Yeah, yeah. So have a think about some niche problems that you can solve, and then create a PDF that you can wow your potential clients with. And don't forget that these are things you might include not just on your website, but as part of the editorial pack you create at the end of a project. Mm, repurposing, Harmby, repurposing. <laughs> we do love a bit of that, don't we? <laughs> we do. <laughs> so the next thing you might consider is a paper. Yeah, so these are a bit like booklets, but they have a different feel to them, more formal. So they might be useful information you've collated as part of a wee research project you've done. So let's say you'd investigated which types of grammar checkers or writing tools work best. 
or the pros and cons of different user-friendly graphic design tools, or a step-by-step -step guide to how to use a particular piece of editorial or writing software. Well, you could frame this as a paper. They have a little more weight to them, I think, a little mm. more of an authoritative tone. And that might work particularly well for those of you who are working in academic editing. So perhaps you write a paper that guides students on submitting an article to a journal for the first time. And you're still solving a problem. And that's the critical bit. These aren't opinion pieces. They're solution focused pieces of content that show rather than tell what you know. That reminds me, Gordon Graham, also known as that white paper guy, has some brilliant information on his website about how to write really effective papers that get results. All right, then we'll stick a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing you might create that solves a problem and shows your competence is, and we really do have to include this, <laughs> yep, it's audio. <laughs> of course we do. So audio is great for solving uh, problems that don't require visual support. As we know, only too well. Yeah, I know, <laughs> that episode, right? Oh, that episode indeed. <laughs> so here's a tip. Don't try and solve problems via audio that involve describing the strings you can type into Microsoft Word's find and replace boxes. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> just don't. That was the funniest episode ever. <laughs> but, but, but we did include a booklet version with it. Yeah, and a good job we did too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, let's stick to information that can be chatted about. Yeah, not data. So the beauty of audio is the emotional connection it makes. You're solving a problem, but you're letting people into what feels a little bit more like a private space. Yeah, and you're reminding them that they're dealing with a real person who's engaged with their problems. And that's powerful. Mm. So think about what might work well in terms of solving problems, talking about the different levels of editing, for example, or telling people how to source editorial help. Yeah, or perhaps you could re recommend your favourite books on writing or chat about how to write great, a great synopsis or a query letter. Just remember to watch your tone. You might find you need to practice a bit to make sure you don't sound flat. Yeah, yeah, that's tricky. We always try to sound a little bit more excited than we really are. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you think you're giving it too much, actually you're not. Yeah, yeah it's weird. <laughs> audio and vi video too can flatten the voice a little. Mm. And with audio, you don't have any facial expression to work with. So all your emotion has to come through sound. Yeah, I think that's a lesson we've learned, isn't yeah. it? That, you yeah, know, definitely. That, I think that's also why we record record well certainly I record with my video off so you can't see what I'm doing yeah. <laughs> I know because when we have done that we've sometimes got ourselves into fits of giggles haven't yes, we yes exactly yeah <laughs> so bear that in mind so we mentioned video there and that's uh, where you can go a step further I mean it can feel scary but if the thing you're talking about is really useful no one's going to be looking at the thumbnail of your face they'll be far too interested in the problem you're solving Exactly. So video is great for showing rather than telling your editorial competence when it comes to stuff that uses a lot of vis visuals or benefits from a lot of visuals. So mm. screencasts of how to create a macro or how to use a writing tool or how to lay out a document or how to use a particular piece of software would be brilliant. Mm, yeah. But if you just can't face it, there's always the good old blog posts and uh, blog posts work for well for um, tell them. Everything, visual stuff, <laughs> informational stuff, technical stuff, all of it. Plus, there's all that SEO juice from the keywords in the H1 and H2 headings in particular. That means you might get found through Google search even when you're asleep. Yeah, marketing that works while you're asleep. Seriously, what's not to like? I know. Yeah. So that's it. 
five ways to demonstrate your editing competence on your website. You'll probably have a favourite. Or you can do all of them. It's up to you. But give it a try. Oh, and make sure that lovely stuff is front and centre on your site so people can find it. Show off about it. Yeah, I do, because you deserve to. It's not junk. It's useful, helpful. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to us again. If you'd like to help support the editing podcast, you can join our Patreon community for only £3 a month. We'd love to have you on board. So if you're interested, hop over to patreon.com forward slash editing podcast. All our patrons get exclusive access to a huge batch of transcripts and we'll pop a link in the show notes for you. In the meantime, she's been Denise. And she's been Louise. Join us again next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.